Chapter Thirteen of Finn the Wolfhound by Alec John Donson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen: An Adventure by Night. For some thirty-six hours after his parting with the master, Finn mourned silently in the big house which overlooked the harbour and was filled with brand new luxuries, including the brightly polished suits of mail and the carefully matured family portraits in the hall if finn had been a year younger the sandbrook family would have learned from him the exact nature of the irish wolfhound howl and they would not have liked it at all but though finn would be capable of the howl as long as he lived he had no mind to indulge in it now his grief was too deep for that and too understanding so understanding indeed that he was perfectly well aware that no howls of his would bring the master back to him it was true he had not understood the nature of the transaction which made him the property of the australian merchant but he had clearly understood that some grievous necessity had forced the master to hand him over to mr sandbrook and that his finn's duty to the master involved remaining there in the house by the harbour but as he saw it his duty did not make it incumbent upon him to enter into communication with a whole pack of people who had nothing to do with the master in some dim way he comprehended that he owed deference and obedience to mr sandbrook that the master had undertaken so much on his behalf but he had no wish to become familiar with the sandbrook household and the consequence was that the daughters and the servants there were no sons at home and the lady of the house while they admitted the magnificence of the new acquisition's appearance agreed in pronouncing him a rather sulky animal they showered caresses and foolish remarks upon him and he lay with his grey-black muzzle resting on outstretched forelegs staring through them all at the door by which the master had disappeared the only sign he would give of consciousness of the presence of these other people was in turning his head away from them when they touched his muzzle once when the younger daughter of the house went so far as to sit down beside finn and bend her head close down to his he submitted courteously though his nose wrinkled with annoyance until the young lady raised her head and then very gently he rose walked away from her to the mat beside the door and lay down there with his nose close to the spot on which the master's feet had last rested in that house finn was taken out in the garden two or three times on a leash but he had no thought of escape the master had left him and bade him stay there and his heart was empty and desolate within him now and again his dark eyes filled with moisture and the sadness of his face was so wonderfully striking as to impress the misses sandbrook who truth to tell were not over and above intelligent nor even very kind-hearted they had not half the kindly good nature of their vulgar parents though they had much better taste and a great variety of accomplishments through the night finn did not sleep though he dozed occasionally for a few minutes at a time dreaming fitfully waking and dozing of the master and the mistress and the lodging they had shared of late 
the whole of the next day he passed in the same employment except that in the afternoon he had to go through the wearisome ceremony of being introduced to a number of strange ladies not one among whom seemed from the smell of her clothes to have anything to do with the master he comported himself through this ordeal with dignity and patience but as one of the ladies said the dear darling he does look so dreadfully sad and tired of everything doesn't he to which mrs sandbrook replied that this was just his strangeness and that he would soon get over it she added that she did not object to this look of finn's herself he being such a regular aristocrat it seemed to her in keeping with his general appearance she said and quite suggestive of the sort of ancient ivy-covered mansion he had come from in the old country the good lady drew upon her imagination of course in the matter of finn's home in england but she meant well and finn suffered her head pattings more gladly than those of the rest of the household recognizing clearly in her just about what there was to recognize and rightly appreciating that simple character as being of greater worth than the frothily pretentious nature of her daughters that night the master of the house announced that he thought finn had quite settled in his new home and that he would now take the wolfhound for a stroll in the grounds without the leash he did so and when they had walked twice around the lawn and down an avenue they came to the green gate by which finn had first entered that place finn had been walking dejectedly his head carried low and close to mr sandbrook's legs his mind still too full of mournful thoughts of his lost master to permit of his inquiring closely into those smells and other details of his immediate surroundings which would have interested him in ordinary circumstances now as his eyes fell upon the green gate an overpowering desire to see the master swept through his mind he had no intention of running away from his new owner his one thought was just to run down to the old lodging and see the master again his hindquarters bent under him and the next instant saw him neatly clearing the top of the five-foot gate with never a thought of the consternation he left behind him in poor mr sandbrook's mind before the portly merchant had the gate fairly open finn had trotted thirty or forty yards down the moonlit road in the direction from which he had approached the house with the master on the morning of the previous day he paused once and looked back at mr sandbrook in response to agitated cries and whistles but not being able to explain his precise object in going out in a manner that would have been comprehensible to the merchant he decided that it would be better to get on with the matter in hand without delay so he went forward again and this time at an easy canter which took him out of the earshot of mr sandbrook in less than one minute when finn arrived in the streets of the city he was more than a little confused and once or twice took a wrong turning but he always retraced his steps and found the right turning before going far and in due course he arrived at the house in which he had lodged with his friends rising on his hind feet he pawed the front door vigorously a few moments later the door was opened by the landlady to whose utter astonishment finn brushed hurriedly into the little passage and up the stairs to the door of the room the master had used where he paused with one foot pressed against the closed door 
here sam cried the startled landlady you talk about your blessed menagerie come and look here my word this'll surprise yer the landlady's son who had paid her a flying visit that day appeared in the passage in his shirt-sleeves holding a small lamp the landlady closed the front door and together the two walked upstairs to where finn sat whining softly and pawing at the closed door of what had been the master's sitting-room my bloomin oath what a dog exclaimed sam as his mother reached forward and opened the sitting-room door leaving finn free to plunge forward into the dark interior which he did on the instant in the next instant he was out again and pawing at the opposite door leading to the bedroom this too was opened for him and in another moment he had satisfied himself that neither room had been occupied by the master or the mistress for a considerable time this was a grievous blow to finn and as he returned to the little landing between the two rooms he sniffed despairingly at the landlady's skirt and even nuzzled her rough hand with a vague feeling that she might be able to produce his friends not that he had any serious purpose in this however for it was strongly borne in upon finn now that he had lost his friends for good and all well what you think um the landlady asked her son sam was a tall loosely built rather slouching fellow a typical young australian of a certain class not unintelligent rather lazy given to drawling his speech and extremely self-centred he had been eyeing finn all this while with growing interest and now he said is he savage wouldn't hurt a sheep replied the mother wouldn't you like to know where i got such a beauty now kid he's not yours said sam well i reckon he could be if i wanted such a great elephant his master lodged here these two months and more but he went off to the mountains yesterday with his sick missus why come to think of it er course that's what it is his master sold him that's what he's done and that's why he's able to pay me and the doctor and go off to the mountains yesterday and now the bloomin dogs run away and come back to look for him that's what it is you can take your oath sam spat reflectively on the little coloured doormat well the dog's no use to you mother he said you can't do nothing with him i'm not so sure about that sam replied the landlady thoughtfully as a matter of fact the idea of keeping finn had not occurred to her for a moment up till then but hers was not an easy life she was always short of money and found it extremely difficult to worm anything out of this big son of hers during his rare visits to her in fact of late she had given up the attempt so that his visits represented only an additional expense for her i don't know about that sam i might keep him and watch out for the reward a dog like that's worth money too bloomin big and clumsy to be worth much said sam disparagingly clumsy was no more applicable to finn than it would be to a panther and sam was well aware of it tell you what he said i've got to be making for the station in half an hour anyway i'll take the dog out of your way and give you half a quid for him if you like i shall lose on it for it's not likely the boss will make any use of him anyway but i'll chance the ducks this time if you like you can't keep a bloomin camel like that here but the landlady knew her son tolerably well and he could not deceive her very much 
when he left the house half an hour later he was leading finn at the end of a rusty chain and the poorer by twenty-five shillings than he had been an hour before so finn changed hands for the second time in forty-eight hours once for seventy-five guineas and once for twenty-five shillings and upon this second occasion the transaction was a matter of complete indifference to him he thought vaguely of returning to mr sandbrook's house later on in the meantime this young man seemed to want him to take a walk in another direction and always were alike to finn in his bitter disappointment over not finding the master he did not know that he was treading exactly the path the master and the mistress had trod on the previous day when leaving their lodgings for the mountains he only felt that he had now completely lost his friends and that he was rather well disposed than otherwise toward long-legged sam for the reason that sam came from the house in which the master had lodged End of chapter thirteen